Have you heard of the Youngstock magazine? It's a print magazine aimed at primary school children who enjoy the countryside, farming and food. Listen on as I chat to editor Emma Smith, a busy mum and farmer's wife like me. We share some tasty no-fuss recipes too. Hello, welcome to the Countryside Kitchen Meats, a food and farming podcast. I'm Millie Fife, your host. I'm a mum of two, farmer's wife, a food producer and passionate about flying the flag for British food and farming. Today we'll be chatting to editor of the Youngstock magazine, Emma Smith. Then I've got a few time-saving hacks when it comes to mealtime preparation, meaning you can juggle family life with the children and cook a tasty, nutritious meal too. Okay, let's introduce you to my guest. Situated in rural Wiltshire, Emma lives with her husband Richard and two children, Oliver and Harriet. They farm approximately 100 acres and breed pedigree Hereford, Ruby Red and Beef Shorthorn cattle. In her spare time, she likes to show the cattle at agricultural shows, read books, magazines and go open water swimming only in the summer. Emma is also the youth coordinator for the Hereford Cattle Society and facilitates workshops, events and young handler competitions. This passion to help the younger generation learn and grow enthused her to complete a master's degree in children's publishing. It was here that her idea of a farming-focused children's magazine, The Young Stock, derived from. So without further ado, let me welcome Emma onto the podcast. Emma, hello! Hello! Thank you for having me! (laughs) Now, all that information, uh, I'm just... uh, uh, absolutely enthralled and overwhelmed with you know how how do you fit it all in you're a busy working mum and I'd love to know your secret to success well that is a very good question Millie and I'm not sure I've quite uh sussed it yet but um I don't know about you but I am a list writer I have to have lists and so for each of the hats that I wear I have a book and so in that book is a a never-ending of lists and things that I need to do I also do try to structure and plan my day. Um, like you said, I've got a young family. We've got the farm. We've got a foot trimming business. There's always something going on. Um, so I do try and allocate my time to the things that I need to do that day. Now, that's not to say that it does go to plan because you know yourself, if you've suddenly got a cow carving or something goes wrong, then you know that's thrown out of the window isn't it but um yeah so basically just lists and structure my day and wing it there's an element <laughs> of winging in there but you know who doesn't wing a bit of life every now and then yeah no absolutely and so when you get to the end of the day do you just sort of collapse into bed or do you kind of you know unwind and think yeah I've achieved everything on my list today or is it oh my goodness I've got so much I need to get on with tomorrow or do you just sort of just take each day as it comes I take each day as it comes. I mean, sometimes I go to bed and feel satisfied and think, oh, right, I've achieved stuff. That's really great. And then other times I think, do you know what? That hasn't quite gone to plan today, you know, but tomorrow's another day. I don't like letting people down on my customers and and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we've all got busy lives, haven't we, nowadays? Mm. So I think um, I find that communication is key. So if something does go wrong, I try and keep people in the loop. But, you know, it's important to kind of sit down, isn't it, and have a glass of wine or a cup of tea and enjoy your downtime as well. So I try and get that balance. doesn't always work, but, you know, I'll keep trying. 
Yeah, I know. I don't think there's that sort of magic kind of um, formula, is there, to to a success? I, I think we are all secretly winging it, but I think you know, <laughs> so <laughs> we perhaps don't talk about it as much as we do. We should, but uh, um, no, it's good. To, it's good to hear, um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners um, will be sort of taking down some hints and tips from you. How how did you get involved in farming? Tell me a bit about your backstory. Okay, so I'm not from a farming background, and I did used to be embarrassed about that. Back in the day, if you weren't born into a farming family, it wasn't as good as if you were born into one. Um, But when I was 13, I lived and grew up in Devon, um, and just up the road from me was the Big Sheep, which is a farm park. I'm sure loads of people have been there. And I started there as a volunteer, um, got my work permit, And I ended up being there for eight years and it gave me that opportunity. I just fell in love with sheep, just loved it. You know, they had the the big sheep barn there. So really, that's where my farming journey began. Worked there every weekend, school holidays, before school, after school, if I could. So I learned a lot about sheep. Um, And as I grew older, I was given responsibilities of running the lambing shed or you know, doing the lamb feeding show and that kind of stuff. So when it kind of came to my GCSEs um, and my next steps, I decided to attend an agricultural college just to learn more about it. Um, So I went to Bicton College and did a couple of courses. I did animal care, which had a livestock element in it so that I really thrived in that subject. So then that made me go on to do an agricultural course. Then I didn't want to leave college. I was one of those people (laughs) that really didn't want to grow up. So I then went and did a diploma in countryside management. Um, At the age of 20, kind of decided that maybe I had done my college thing. So went into the big wide world. But whilst I was at college, I did as many jobs as possible. So I worked on a pedigree Aberdeen Angus herd for a long time. That then got me into the showing world. Um, And if anybody knows anything about showing, once you've got the bug, that's it, I'm afraid. It's with you for life. So I started showing cattle when I was 16 and then just, yeah, just got pig jobs, dairy jobs, more sheep jobs. It was very clear to me that I needed to get as much wide experience as possible if I was to pursue this career. Um, When I was 22, I had my son. And so I took some time off to have him, but very quickly went back into farming. And I've just worked my way up the ladder, really. At the age of 27, I decided that I needed to... I wanted to be better. So I did a degree in rural business management and agriculture. So that kind of enabled me to put everything that I'd learned in, learn in on all these farms into a, a theory element, if you know what I mean. So um, I did my BSE. Um, I then very quickly realised that I quite enjoyed working with younger people. And so I secured a lecturing job at an agricultural college so I suppose that's where the educational elements started to come in Um, and so I combined the two for a long time farming and education and so it's just grown from there really and then I met my now husband and so yeah the rest is history just Mm -hmm. we've got a tenancy farm and um, I mean when I was lecturing I did start to buy my first couple of cows was always showing and things so yeah that's just been the journey and it's just grown and grown from there. It just sounds like you're still on an incredible journey in terms of your learning and development and taking up the opportunities that come your way. Yes. If you ask my husband and my parents, they sometimes get a little cross with me because I'm a (laughs) bit of a a diver. I get so infused and excited about stuff that, you know, I just flit around and want to do this and want to do that. And but 
that's just how I am. I like to be busy. I like to be learning. Um, yeah, and that's then, like you said in your introduction, that's then what led me to do my master's degree because, oh yeah, I just love learning and soaking up stuff. And, you know, by doing the master's degree, it's enabled me to learn a completely new skill set, you know. Um, I've also been fortunate enough to attend the Oxford Farming Conference as an emerging leader. Um, and again, that was completely pushed me out of my comfort zone. But if you don't put yourself out there, you know, and network with people, especially in this industry, it's amazing, isn't it? You yeah. know, there's such a good body of a network of people that, mm. that want to share their um, knowledge and things with you. So to me, it's all about learning from other people and yeah, just, oh, just, want to get out there and, and learn and network really yeah oh no I couldn't agree more I think I've you know I've I've always been an advocate of uh you know using your connections to kind of understand what opportunities are out there and really push yourself and I think once the doors are open you can start to really carve your career um and I you know I, I can see that totally with the with the young stock magazine where you're heading um so just t- tell us a little bit about the magazine how many issues you've done and what what's inside the magazine Okay, so I launched the magazine uh, in March 2021, um, and we're a monthly publication, so however many that is from last March, uh, celebrated my one-year anniversary this March. And so it's a 28-page print publication, which is delivered directly to the reader. And so I really wanted it to be about the countryside and about agriculture. So we cover a little bit on livestock machinery on arable. Um, We have a careers corner in there. Um, to try and encourage people that, like myself, really, that aren't from a non-farming background. Our industry is so diverse that you don't just have to be a typical farmer. You know, the, the career opportunities out there are incredible. So we write about a career each month. We have a recipe each month. Um, we have a quiz. Uh, we have a, a, a monthly blog from a, a nice lady in Devon. We have talk about wildlife crime. Cody, our resident um, police horse, she talks about you know, what happens in our countryside. So we have all our regular features. Then we talk about farm diversification, anything and everything to do within the countryside and agriculture, really, to mm. just broaden, um, you know, the children's knowledge. Definitely. And what sort of age range is it kind of aimed at? So it's for seven to 11 year olds. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're really targeting primary school children. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do know that some of my readers are slightly older and some of them are slightly younger. You know, the ethos of the magazine is to educate about everything I've just said, but also it's encouraging reluctant readers. You know, if you you want to read something, if you enjoy what you're reading, don't you? So I have had had some lovely emails from parents saying that their children are reading more because they're reading about what they want to, uh, which is great. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, no, that's fantastic. No, well, um, I've obviously seen a few copies and I've even written in your your magazine, so I'm, I'm aware of it, yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, my two are three and four, so they're sort of uh, not quite at the age where they'll really sit down, but obviously they look at the pictures um, and, you know, they have a go at the colouring in and that that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it is it's just sparking that enthusiasm at a young age, whether or not you're involved in agriculture or not. And, I mean, there's so much... You know, if when you look at children's books with tractors and sheep and cows and what what have you, it's farming is out there, but it's just kind of um, you know, keeping and harnessing that enthusiasm, isn't it? Because we've we've heard of 
you know, Tractor Ted and uh, all, all, all of the things that are sort of on mainstream on, on, on the telly that involve agriculture for, for young people. But it's actually then it, it stops. And it's it's nice that there is that kind of continuation with your magazine. Yeah. And I do think, you know, the pandemic did help slightly in the fact that people were becoming aware of where their food was coming from. You know, importing things wasn't so easy because of the pandemic. You know, a lot of parents were working from home, so they were getting into baking more and and Mm. growing things. And you don't have to be a farmer to enjoy food, do you? Um, And it doesn't really matter about your dietary requirements or your interests. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, we all need to eat. We all want to enjoy food. And a lot of food comes from farming and our countryside. So why not celebrate that and understand where it comes from? You know, so I think I just think it's really important to engage with children and, you know, and and food, really. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's a. a great thing to be able to give a child uh, and um, you know I think it would make a very good stocking filler or a nice present <laughs> is a subscription to the Young Stock magazine. I think it would make a very good <laughs> present. I mean we do have uh, I do get emails from grannies and granddads and aunts and uncles and things so yeah very easy to gift it not that expensive I suppose well I'd like to think it's not that expensive so yes we do offer a gift subscription yeah lovely brilliant oh well i'll put all the details in the show notes so that if anyone wants to find out more um and we'll talk about that shortly um but one of the things you obviously you raise three different types of native breeds of beef cattle um why have you chosen those specific breeds so before i met my husband like i said i lived in devon um Mm -hmm. and so i went with the red ruby devon for myself they're just beautiful cattle um very docile and mother you know got motherly traits Mm. and for me at the time it was an affordable breed that I could buy and just you know have a bit of a tinker with whilst I was um still in Devon I did a lot of freelance show work um and that I've mainly focused on showing Hereford so I'd always got a love for the Hereford breed it just so happened that Richard my husband he's been born and bred into the breed so um when we got together, we combined the two really, and they just mm. work so well together, both native. And you know, they don't need as much concentrate food. They are meant to be both breeds that you know you can rear from grass, which nowadays is obviously very you know you have to be mindful of environmental. Um, so those two breeds, they're just beautiful to look at. They you know they eat well if you know when you're cooking them, um, and motherly instincts. So all of the all of that. The shorthorns were fairly new to the breed with the beef shorthorns. I wouldn't say they're quite as friendly as the Herefords and the Devons, but again, you know, they're not nasty cattle. So they just slotted in with the other two breeds, really. Mm. Um, And occasionally, if if a naughty bull gets in with something that it perhaps shouldn't, you know, we have crossed the Devons and the Herefords and the carcass that comes out of that, I mean, you know, it's really, really good. So for us, they're just, we just manage the three together and they just provide us with everything that we need, really. Brilliant. And where do the cattle go? Have you got a dedicated supplier or do you do beef boxes or how how does it work? No, so we retain... 80% 80% of the females back into the herd just to keep them the genetics fresh because they're all pedigrees. Um, so we're quite, you know, focused on the, our genetic breeding. Uh, same with the bulls, really. We don't uh, castrate any of our bull calves. Um, we keep them all entire. 
if we feel that something uh, female or male isn't going to quite make the grade, then we just send them to our local market. But a lot of our bulls are sold on for breeding purposes, either into the pedigree world or commercially. Yeah, brilliant. And you do great in terms of marketing uh, individual animals and the breed to be able to obviously, you know, get the name out there with your herd prefix and, and obviously showing is a big part of that too. It's absolutely, yeah, it just provides you and your customers with that shop window. So um, we attended the Great Yorkshire Show in July of this year. It was the 200 year celebration of the breed. Um, it was also the World Conference. And so you have to pick and choose which shows you go to. But for us, that was important to be there just to represent the breed. Yes. We were, however, very lucky that we got breed champion. Incredible. which yeah, it was really incredible. We never, ever thought that we would be able to achieve that. So, yeah, but that is hard work at home, you know, and a lot of late nights and falling out with the bull when he's being grumpy. Um, but, yeah, it's a lifestyle choice, isn't it? And we love it and yeah. we're very lucky and we met Princess Anne and wouldn't have had it any other way. It makes all the, the hard work at home worthwhile. Oh, definitely. Because for those that don't really sort of have seen cattle showing or uh, understand it's basic you're basically like taking the cows to have the hair you know it's like a, they're getting a beauty treatment so you're preening them you're absolutely making them show ready and it's you know hairspray and there's all these sort of <laughs> secret you know formulas and you know it's all it's fantastic to watch they are definitely pampered pedigrees, that is for sure. <laughs> and you do have to, they do have to get used to it. You know, it isn't just a case of plucking them out of the field and getting on with it. Um, they are used to being groomed and clipped and holds are broken and led and dressed and all the rest of it. But they, you know, you'd be surprised. A lot of them absolutely love it. They really yeah. do. They enjoy being washed, especially this summer when we haven't had a lot of rain. Mm. Um, you know, they do enjoy... Yeah, it's just like going to the hairdressers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And it's such a social thing as well, isn't it? Being involved with cattle showing, you've got to look, you end up, you know, obviously you've got very similar interests to other people that, you know, although there's that competitive nature as well, because you're competing against other herds and other people, but, you know, you've all got a similar interest and obviously the parties and the socials afterwards <laughs> as well are, are good fun. It is it is really good fun. And I think whether you're there showing a beast or not, you know, it's a community thing, isn't mm. it? And, you know, once we've finished the cattle, it, everybody walks around the show and it's a good way of make, it, making friends and connecting. And, and a lot of business is done at these shows, not just for livestock farmers, but for tractor dealerships, you know, mm. and everyone's entering their jams and jams and chutneys and things. So it's a real, like you say, yes, there's rivalry, but you know we're all in this industry together aren't we and yeah. it's a great way of networking yeah definitely and a, and a fantastic showcase of British food and farming I mean it's just going to the agricultural shows there is something for anyone there um and if you haven't been to an agricultural show you need to check out the calendars and go to your local one I mean there's there's one you know throughout the summer months especially there's there's something for everyone um and I'd you know encourage everyone to, to to head down to a show and just just have a look at the quality of the livestock and all of the businesses that are exhibiting everything from machinery to products to you know everything it's everyone cares and everyone shares the same interests so I I think it's really important to support one another so what does the future uh, look like for you Emma so I'm busy you know I just want to focus on the young stock and expand it really um I 
100% believe in the magazine. So it's just a case of continuously growing it and getting out there. I'd like to connect more with schools. We currently have five international customers. So the magazines are now going out to Australia, America and Canada. So I'd be really keen to, you know, to look into that further. In terms of my personal life, oh, nothing really. Just busy, busy focusing on work, making sure the children are happy, you know, that kind of thing. I'm busy planning a charity ball at the moment for my youth group for the Hereford Cattle Society. So the future for me is just, you know, making new connections and new networks and yeah. and just enjoying life, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Doing everything that you enjoy doing whilst involving your family at the same time is wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And and so when it when it comes to cooking, what's your go to meals? Is there, you know, a recipe that you enjoy doing or are you like me, just throw it all together and just hope for the best? <laughs> well I do enjoy cooking but I find sometimes I don't have enough time to cook how I want to cook mm. um, I mean a, a roast dinner in our family is always a winner especially um, in the winter months but I suppose my favorite recipe that I like to cook is a chicken breast stuffed with cream cheese and chives and then I wrap that in parma ham mm. and then I just slow cook that in the agar. And then I quite like to roast butternut squash and a vegetable oxo cube. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of do the chicken, put my butternut squash in and then some green beans or something. That's our go to favourite in our house, I think. Oh, sounds lovely. Oh, and, you know, butternut Oh, it's just, yeah just divine um yeah no oh I'm totally gonna have a go at that for sure no that sounds like a really quick win um and something that you can shove in the bottom oven and just forget about for a little while yeah that's my style of cooking really because you're you you never focus on just solely cooking you're probably you know trying to get the kids to do their homework or you've got the phone ringing and yeah you never just solely focus on cooking and I think you know no Although you say that, but like I said to you earlier, on a mm. Sunday night, I sit down and plan my meals for the whole week. So yeah. then I plan a shop accordingly. So we, and then I don't know if your kids or family are the same, but generally at breakfast, the question is, what's for dinner? <laughs> Whilst they're eating their breakfast. So I do like to have a rough idea of what I'm going to cook according yeah. to everybody's plans. But yeah, the chicken and the, and the butternut squash is always the, yeah. Yeah, no, I think meal planning is a really um, important um, aspect of, you know, running a, a busy life and, you know, a busy, busy family life is kind of just sort of almost knowing what you've already got in the in the cupboard um, or, or making sure when you shop that you've got rather than just buying what you fancy. So yeah. um, I think when you're budgeting as well, it, it's really important. How can people find more about you, Emma? Well, I'm on the all the social media platforms, um, but in terms of the magazine, the website is www.theyoungstock.com. Um, I don't suggest that you Google my name, Emma Smith, because as you can imagine, <laughs> um, there's quite a few of us out there floating around, but... Yeah, the young stock's normally a good start if you want to connect somehow. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely no. We'll we'll definitely put all the information in the show notes as well so people can find you. Um definitely. Here are some time-saving hacks for you to try at home. This may sound silly, but make friends with your freezer. If you can bulk buy certain ingredients and batch cook, it will always work out cheaper and save you time too. You will always have a certain number of meals that you can be ready to warm up and eat rather than being tempted to spend cash on takeaways or dive into an expensive ready meal. It will also save you time and reduce your energy bills. B 
beef mince is an ideal example to do this. Our butchers do a fantastic deal of buying pound bagged up mints into sacks of say five or ten pounds it works out so much cheaper and the quality of the mints makes it so flavorsome and it can stretch a lot further what i find is that some of the cheaper supermarket packs are very bland and watery um whereas obviously going to the butcher the fat content it just helps um with um with bulking out meals and it, it it just tastes amazing um and browning off the mince with some onions and tomato can be turned into a whole host of meals like lasagna spag bowl cottage pie tacos for example in season right now it's getting dark out there it's november time and the temperatures are dropping so why not make some one tray classics proper winter warmers a bit like what emma mentioned about her chicken breasts and butternut squash i've got a really nice recipe for chicken leek and chorizo pie or game pie if you are feeling adventurous you'll need two leeks four chicken breasts or six pheasant breasts diced up 120 grams of chorizo chopped 300 grams of creme fraiche one egg frozen peas and some ready roll puff pastry Oven preheated to 200C, chop up the leeks finely and steep in some boiling water while you prepare the other ingredients. Pop the chicken or the pheasant into a roasting tin with the leeks, which are drained, frozen peas, chorizo and creme fraiche. Give it a good mix round so that everything is really well coated and then lay your puff pastry on the top of the pie and brush with some beaten egg. You can transfer that into the oven and bake for 25 to 30 minutes until the pastry is crisp and brown. You could also use leftover chicken, ham hock in this recipe, or even turkey at Christmas. Emma, um, how does that sound? Are you going to have a go at my pie? Uh, yes, please. That sounds <laughs> absolutely delicious. I was just scrabbling around for a pen then, but I'm hoping you can email me the address. And I'll tell you what, I'll put it on my Youngstock website because I'm always asking for the children to share their recipes and stuff. So I will send you, I can't guarantee what it will look like. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. No, give it oh, a go. definitely. Well, these one tray, you just sort of, oh, just throw it all together. Ready roll puff pastry is just amazing, you know. I mean, who's got time this day to actually like make pastry from scratch? I mean, you know, we're not all super women, you know, we just buy it. Roll it. Sometimes though, you know, I wish I could be that woman, but no, definitely, I'm definitely a a, a rollout kind of girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no, you know, there's no yeah it's absolutely fine and it's so cost effective. And I mean, you can freeze it as well, so you've always got some pastry ready to yeah out a pie or what have you it's great that's all we've got time for today um but don't forget to tune in to the next episode of the countryside kitchen meets on the first of each month you can subscribe on all major podcast streaming platforms and get in touch would you like to be on a future episode want to chat to me about what you do share some recipes just drop me a line my email is hello at millie5.com you can also follow the food blog No Fuss Meals for Busy Parents on Facebook, Instagram, and at www.nofussmealsforbusyparents.com. Oh, big mouthful there for top tips, time saving hacks, and recipe ideas. Thank you so much for joining me, Emma. It's been incredible chatting to you, and just keep up the amazing work. I'm going to follow your journey with interest. I'm sure plenty of my listeners will be jumping online to find out more about the Youngstock magazine and about you as we speak. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Millie. Brilliant. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.